I worked with three or four of the Michael Jordans of the commercial real estate business. I mean, Titans. And I was a kid, you know, I was a 20 something year old kid that these guys took in and that was invaluable to be 25 years old and working with some of the most successful people in the state. Yep. Some of the most successful people in the country in, in the business. The leaders that have had the most transparency over time, they're the ones that you remember. In times like these, adverse economic times, employees don't want to hear happy talk. Work every day like somebody's trying to take it from you, because they are. Welcome to Recruitability's Nothing Sacred Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Shank. Nick, how you doing? Doing well. Um, this is our first podcast that we're recording in third lamar's production studio so yeah special occasion the studio is pretty badass we should take some pictures here and get him posted but he's got some robots running around i think they're gonna serve us drinks later yeah excited about our uh, guest today and uh, and a good friend of uh, me and nick's Uh, we've got mark vanderslice here mark how you doing i'm doing great thanks for uh thanks for having me and nick i do i do dig your place it's really nice it's cool thank you Mark's a senior VP uh, over at CBRE here in town. I'm going to let him do a quick intro, uh, and then we'll dive into what we want to talk about today. Again, nothing sacred. Our podcast we we focus a lot on trends in work and and how the habits and how people work uh, differently than they used to than our parents do, and how work trends are. Um, changing going forward and mark and i have talked a lot about this and and also how it correlates a lot with with real estate and how trends in workplaces and what have you have have changed and evolved over the years so there is a correlation and a lot of these conversations happen over the golf course or on the golf course or over some drinks and full disclosure we've all got bloody mary's this morning this is our first morning podcast nick yeah we had to kick it off the right way. That's right. That's right. So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta stick to what works. Uh, Mark, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, sure. Well, again, thanks for having me. Um, so I've, I've been in Austin almost twenty years now. I've been in the commercial real estate business twenty-two years. Started in Dallas right out of college, and predominantly have worked with office tenants on finding office space, disposing of office space, helping companies grow, shrink really all facets, really just have been here in Austin to kind of see the the rise and, and ride that we've all been on and the growth and all the big tech companies coming in and all the local tech companies growing and uh, been really fortunate to have been here through that time and you know make a lot of good relationships and do a lot of really cool things and see a lot of really su- successful people grow and blossom and grow their businesses. And I've been able to be a small part of that and, you know, help them navigate that process through their office space. But you, you learn a lot about companies and trends and what, what businesses are thinking um, by being aligned with groups. And because a, a lot of that pre COVID co- correlated to their office space. And now, uh, you know, during COVID and post COVID is kind of a changing world. So um, we're, we're seeing a lot of really interesting trends. And I guess I would call it somewhat of a snapback people coming back to the office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, we're seeing that snapback. I think it, it, it's Google, Google just made a call. Didn't they, uh, uh, a few weeks ago and just put their stake in the ground on their hybrid environment. Yeah. And that. so they did Microsoft, um, Amazon 
few of the other really big tech companies have outlined their back to work plans and um, Facebook. And it seems that most of them have accelerated their back to work plans from what they had originally, you know, initially during COVID, it was companies continued to kind of push out when people were going to come back to work. And now we're at a phase where some of them pushed, pushed out so far that I think they're drawing that back and they're actually coming back to work sooner than they had originally anticipated. When you, um, when you speak to executives at these companies who are trying to bring employees back to the office, what are the main pain points that they discuss in wanting employees back in the office? So I, I think the biggest thing is just human interaction and collaboration and the things that happen by having a group of people seeing each other on a daily or every other day basis. And, you know, the, 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 the kind of magic that happens for companies, especially technology companies, um, that, that's, that's been missing, obviously, because people haven't been in the office and together as much. I, I think that some of that has been augmented by Zoom and Teams calls, and you get a little bit of that, but it's, not, it's just not the same as having people in the office talking. And, it, and, and even in my business, it's very important to be around my colleagues, peers, and hearing about what they're working on and what's going on in the market. And I think that's the same across really most lines of work. And I think most executives are trying to figure out what's the right balance. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's probably not a five day in the office work week, mm-hmm. but w- what they're also trying to figure out is how do they use space now versus how they did before and and what do they need to draw the people back and i think it really starts with amenities a lot of these new office leases that you're seeing getting signed are getting signed in new buildings so it's a it's a pretty big push of what we call flight to quality companies are moving out of older uh space that they've been in for a long time and moving into a new building that has a really nice gym has a really nice cafe um, has, uh, you know, an outside terrace, just things that people want to use. And so amenities, walkable retail, those are really important things that executives are thinking about when they're making that decision as to where do they put their new office. We did a project for Under Armour, and this is was out of their Baltimore office, their headquarters. They were looking for somebody that had an interior architecture background, interior design background, that was gonna be able to go into every single one of their offices all over the country and redesign them completely. And to your point, the idea was to make them more open, more like a Starbucks, right? People don't necessarily need to have cubes as much as a workspace where they can come in plug a laptop in, collaborate with their team, and then go home, right? Yeah, it's, it's, and it's hoteling, yes. essentially. And, and the, the word that they actually used was, hey, we want to create the, a Starbucks feel in our offices, right? So in, in, our, in, our, in our workspaces, so people get together and they're like, all right, let's have a meeting. We sit, we plug in. You know, th- we were already going this direction anyway, right? But you don't need file cabinets. You don't need, you know, a, an actual desk or a cube doesn't mean as much anymore when you're just plugging in a laptop, right? And that's what we're seeing a lot of companies shifting towards. 
and they got to make the workspace, and we did this with our office, make it a place that people want to go to, mm -hmm. not have to go to, right? Mm -hmm. So they just end up showing up because you've created a space where they can collaborate with their teams and when they want to you know, do their busy work or their research, they're doing that at their house. And I think that that's a trend that we started seeing with the big companies. And I've always said this about Austin, we're a town, we're a copycat town in a lot of ways, right? We, we kind of, you see these companies around town to just wait for Google, Facebook, Amazon, Dell to make a move. And then like, oh yeah, we're doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I, what's interesting about your comment about what, you know, you, you saw with Under Armour. So my company, CBRE actually started a process a couple of years ago where we went from having an assigned desk and assigned spot that you go to every day to a essentially a hoteling operation where we took less space. We moved our office from 111 Congress uh, down to 2nd Street into a new building, and we, we actually shrunk our footprint, the amount of space we took, by about 20%, and we went to unassigned desks. But we're actually able to accommodate 20 to 25% more people than we were in our old space. So I go in every, you know, when I go in, I, I don't have an assigned place. I sit in a, I sit in an area, but we don't sit in an assigned desk every day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because not everybody's coming in every single day or they're only there for a certain period of time. And so that overlap creates three people could potentially sit in the same spot in one yep. day. Do you yeah. like, do you like that? Or would you rather have your own spot? You, you know, we're, creatures of habit and I think initially you think I want my office that I go in and I have all of my stuff set up and I'll, I'll never be able to adapt to that I I don't I couldn't go back to a different way I don't think I have totally adapted to how they have it and how they run it it's it's very intelligent honestly it incentivizes you to get there early because you get the better seat uh, <laughs> so, I mean that that's smart um, but it it, it, I sit, you know, you sit next to different people every day. So you're talking to different people, you're interacting, you're collaborating with different people every day, which I think is important. And then you can, you're really free to roam. I mean, I can go sit in another section one day and work with the retail guys or the industrial guys or the capital markets guys. And it's not this, oh, well, I'm sitting in so and so seat. Yeah. It's, yep. it's, it's a very free flowing. Uh, and, and it works. So no, I mean, it took a little bit to get used to and there's a little bit of like, oh wait, I'm used to this old way. And yeah, now it's like this, we're seeing a lot of companies kind of mimic that. And, you know, okay. they've been doing it for a couple of years now. So every, you know, whenever an office, whenever their lease comes up and they're in an older space, they move to a, you know, a newer a newer building and this reconfiguration then takes place, you know, across kind of each specific market. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I don't know what the percentage as far as how far they've, they've gone through it, but I think we're the majority of the way through that process through all of the offices across the U S. Okay. When we first started, you said you have like over 20 years of experience in commercial real estate. Austin has obviously gone through a transformation during those decades. What describe the biggest boom time, in commercial real estate since you've been in Austin and kind of what characterized that from your perspective. Uh, and then also to contrast that when COVID hit, talk about the six months after that, what your job was like. So the, 
I guess to go in order because the biggest, I guess I would say, boom, it feels like it's right now, quite honestly. Uh, it feels like we're in the midst of it. Um, but as far as to go in order, um, you know, COVID, pre-COVID, we were, we were riding a very, very high wave here in Austin. I think, you know, really everywhere in the country was, everything was clicking along and businesses were expanding and taking more office space. Companies were hiring. Um, and then COVID hit and it just came to a screeching halt. Everything that was in motion that had not been completed was either paused or terminated. So all negotiations either stopped or were just completely ceased and yep. with, with no time frame as to when it would be reengaged. So, you know, when COVID hit, we went from being extremely busy to really just kind of nothing. There was nothing going on. I mean, there were weeks at a time where we would have these calls and talking about the market and it, it was nothing. It was only negative news. More and more companies were announcing that they're not going back to work. They're working remotely. They're putting space on the market to sublease. It, it just seemed like a a never-ending cycle of negative news. How did you handle that? Played a lot of golf. Yeah, <laughs> just really just... And, and interestingly enough, we formed that group that we... We formed a networking group during COVID to try to create some collaboration across some non-competing businesses. So we had a, we have an accounting, uh, we essentially had a, an accounting consultant in there. We had an insurance broker in there. Banking. We had a banker, you know, NADS group was in there. And really we would get together every couple of weeks to just talk about what's happening in our, and in my industry, there wasn't a whole lot happening. Um, but it, to at least have that collaboration and understand what was happening across other business lines was helpful. So there was that. There was a lot of long walks. I, I would say it was March, April, May, June, maybe even into the fall where it was just very slow. And there were very few real estate transactions of any kind happening. And really it was just kind of that negative news. And then when we got to the fall of twenty companies started to make decisions again. Some companies kind of put their flag down, so to speak, and said, we are going to go back. Um, and, and what was interesting is during that period of time, so from March to call it the fall or late fall of 20, a lot of companies were still hiring and they were adding people. And you also had this massive migration pattern into Austin unrelated to hiring here because People were working remotely, and a lot of companies said, well, hey, you can you can go live anywhere. I think there was an article in the Wall Street Journal that stated that Austin was the biggest recipient in 2020 from just that simple migration. Mm -hmm. Not not companies here hiring and recruiting them in. It was a company on the East or West Coast that said you can work from wherever, and people chose to move to Austin. So going into that fall of 20. You had companies realizing that they had hired over the last six, seven months and that they were then going to go back to work. And so then you had a handful of companies that got out into the market and were transacting deals. And at that point in time, Austin's market had softened, which we hadn't had a soft market for a long period of time. So that really kind of short gap, the companies that were proactive and got out were able to really achieve good deals. And then going into 21, there was more of that 
following suit. More companies got out. More companies said, hey, we're, we're realizing we're not going to work remotely forever. We are going to go back to the office. You started seeing plans put in place through 21. And so 21 was my personal best year ever. 20 ended up being an okay year. But in 21, really, we had this massive momentum that we're now riding, obviously, into 22 to your question of what's the biggest boom. I think it's I think we're in the midst of it right now. I think it was two weeks ago I had a meeting with a, a very large organization based out of New York that's coming into Austin and they're going to be building a, a an office building near downtown and a very respectable group. And I had a meeting with them and they wanted to get my take on, well, what, what is happening with the market? And the beginning of the meeting, I turned it around and I said, well, I really want to understand what, what do you think of Austin? You know, I'm here, I'm insulated and I'm seeing Austin from, you know, my own kind of blinders by being in the city. What is your thoughts of it from New York looking in? And, uh, they were incredibly excited about where we were and how far we had to go. And their comment was, they think that we're in the early innings still of the game and that COVID really just pushed the in the, it compressed the innings backwards. So, you know, maybe by being in Austin and we're all sitting and seeing this big boom happening and we're thinking, you know, in 20, when everything snapped back and the housing market, you know, exploded and 21 things came back, we're thinking, okay, we're in the, we've got to be in the seventh or eighth inning of this because this has been going on for, you know, since what, 2012, 2013, 2014, where in actuality we may really be in a very early stage of it. I mean, I just read this morning that um, that Meta announced they're building a, a massive data center in Temple. And that's oh, yeah. on the heels of, you know, Tesla and all of the other, you know, it seems like almost every other week there's a massive announcement that's mm-hmm. associated with the Austin area. So, you know, I think that it's, it's right now, you know, if you look at all of the, I mean, our unemployment rate is in Austin, I think it's 4%. Um, I didn't see the number, but they just posted the new number yesterday as to what's the new net gain, daily net gain of people here. I think we're still at 150. Yeah. So, 150 people are moving here a day. The housing market is, I think there's a, is it less than a month of inventory out there? So it's, it's still, it's still at that, huh? Yeah. So it's, so I, I think it's now, I think we're, it, we're, it's interesting to me that you say the boom is happening right now. Cause we went from not too long ago, call it a year or two years ago where nothing was going on. Right. Like you said, we started this group and, by the way, during COVID, everybody needs a, everybody needed a support group, right? That was our support group. We we were trying to find ways to, you know, how as business owners and as executives, how were we um, uh, dealing with this, right? And having somebody to talk with and outlet, but also, you know, how do we move this thing forward? How do we continue with and how do we continue you know, to grow our business? Grow our businesses. When, you know, a lot of our business, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of nothing was going on, yeah. and we're trying to think forward of how do we, we know we're going to come out of this at some point. So we and, need to be growing our business. And being prepared when we did come mm-hmm. out of it, right? I mean, I think that was that was really key. And uh, But it's interesting seeing the growth, seeing you talk about how Austin is in the boom now. 
when companies, many companies still have the mindset of virtual environments mm -hmm. and not yet returning to work or saying, hey, I've talked to companies in the SMB world, small to medium business that just basically got rid of their office space and are never going back, mm -hmm. right? I'm seeing the same trend you're seeing with, with companies putting a stake in the ground and saying, hey, we're going back in two days a week, three days a week, and we got to create an environment that people, again, want to come to, mm -hmm. right, in, in, in the work environment. But I'm still talking to more companies um, that have just decided they're not going to. It worked for them, being virtual worked for them, and they're going to stay that way. And we'll see if that trend, you know, how that trend continues to, right? Yeah, I think another another good data point to look at is in the first quarter of 2022 in just in downtown, there was over 1 million square feet of leases signed just wow. in Q1. And that's just downtown. And those leases were all signed by large technology yep. companies. So, you know, I think that's pretty clear that big tech is long on office space. They are. And so you, you got to think that'll, not everybody will follow that. Uh, yeah. But at some point, completely working remote gets stale. And I went through it, and I thought, even being in the real estate business, I thought at one point in time that I could potentially be more productive working remotely. Well, I was wrong. I mean, yeah. I, now that I've started going, and that we're all kind of going back in and back to our old patterns, it's it's way, to me, it's it's a lot healthier Um now it's it's good to work from home, uh, you know, every now and then when you need to focus or your schedule doesn't permit, at least for me. But going in is, you know, is important. I think if and again, I point to that what we saw in in Q one. That's a massive amount of absorption of office space. You know, Facebook took a whole building yeah. downtown. Sirius Logic took a whole building downtown. And then Amazon leased a whole building in the domain. So the, the number that I initially quoted, that's just for downtown. So if you layer in, you know, citywide, well, Amazon signed a 300,000 square foot plus lease in the domain. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about this in some, some other podcasts we've done, but the, um, the way people came back, um, uh, you know, just the, the coming back to work for, um, two days and three days and having these big companies put their stake in the ground. It's just interesting to see uh, the trend of the big companies. And I keep mm -hmm. saying that the trends of the big companies that know to the data point what type of production they get out of their workforce when they're at home versus when they're at work, mm -hmm. right? We can say, hey, people, my, my team's so productive at home. It's great. Um, these big companies, they know, and they know the specific roles, like what we're seeing right now, inside sales. You know, if you're an inside sales rep and your job is to pound the phones all day, every day, you need your support group. You need to be around another mm -hmm. team of inside sales reps doing it all together, right? As opposed to doing it out of your house with so many, I don't say distractions, but you know, there's a TV in the corner, there's, you know, a walk you can take around your building, it's or your house. It's just it's just different and dev too. We've seen it like you would think with software developers and software engineers that they work really well from home and a lot of them do. But having 
like real time collaboration is another thing that these big companies have seen how how dev groups perform better when they're all together. Okay. Yeah. Right. So you got to pay attention to the moves that big tech makes because they they might have secrets that smaller companies can't get to because they don't have as many data points. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think too that aside from aside from um, productivity and collaboration, there's another big key to being around your company. It's how do you get to know the other executives? How do you move up? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think a big part of all of our careers was getting to know people in the office, building relationships with your peers, with your, with your bosses, with other executives, you know, after hours, things that you go to with those people, those are all really important with, cause that comes down to the relationship and it's pretty hard to form a relationship over a standing daily zoom call. Yeah. You know, you're not, face to face you're not learning about them you're not really kind of expanding on that relationship and that's another it's another thing you get by being around each other i mean yep. if we were doing this on a, a zoom call right now it'd be a totally different feeling than doing it in person yes. I've, I've removed all zoom and teams out of my life except for inner office like uh like you know our our, our stand-ups and when you know the days they were hybrid but webinars, trainings, these freaking virtual happy hours that people were trying to run. Yeah, was- I've, I've taken all of that. Uh, I was I was asked to do a, um, uh, a webinar uh, a while back, and there was about, call it 150, 200 people um, in the Zoom, and they have all of their faces up, right? Um, uh, and you're trying to do an intro, an icebreaker, crack a joke, and nobody's laughing yeah, or they might be smiling. You can't judge the reaction. Right. It's tough. <laughs> it was, it's it, and, and, and happy hours. It's funny. You said the virtual hat, like I remember doing those and it's like, thinking now, back think about it now. So, How lame. So what are you doing? What are you actually doing in a virtual happy hour? You're drinking alone. Right. In, in front of your computer. Yeah. Like nothing's like, it's not a big deal. No, honey, I'm on a happy hour. Can't you see? <laughs> no, you're just drinking in front of your computer. Yeah, so bizarre. Would um, would you say for people listening to this, <clears throat> there's probably people listening to this who are thinking, I'm never going to go back to the office full time. If they force me to go back to the office, I'll just find a job where they don't force me. Would you say that when the labor market isn't as tight that those listeners are going to be in for a rude awakening, that it's going to shift where executives are going to require people to come back to the office and just now they're allowing employees to work hybrid or remote because it's a competitive disadvantage if they don't? I think it potentially could. I think that, again, we're seeing this snapback, right? It's We went from, we were completely out of the office, some people for two years still, to now kind of slowly coming back in. I think at a minimum, you will see the majority of companies go to a hybrid arrangement. And a hybrid arrangement will probably be two or three days a week in the office. I I don't see the majority saying, hey, you can work remotely forever. So Mm -hmm. I think it, and then I think over time, the, as more and more adapt to this hybrid, then those who didn't will be forced to. And then again, to your question about when the labor market changes. Sure. I think, you know, I think a lot of it, you you read the articles, you read the white paper, 
the majority of executives that are interviewed and managers, they want to be back in the office. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I think you're, you're, you're at a minimum going to see um, a, an across-the-board, for the majority, hybrid would be my, my, my guess. Yeah. I think companies will just add more and more benefits for the people that do come back to the office mm-hmm. so that incentivize the people to come back. It reminds me of a funny story. When I was working for the Houston Texans, there's a break room like every company has, and the office manager, every time there was like cookies in the break room, they'd send an email to every employee at the Houston Texans, even the scouts that were on the road, like scouting college players. And so this is before email etiquette was as big. This is like 2009. So people would reply all to the reply all, and scouts on the road would be like, save some cookies in the break room for me, and <laughs> stuff like that. And so like, it was kind of like a precursor to maybe what we'll see where people get emails and they're working remotely and they're like, oh man, they're like free lunches today or they're like, there's, there's nice benefits yeah. and I'm missing out on. I'm missing that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, we just hired a, uh, a marketing lead for our company and when I was doing the interviews, um, I would talk to marketing people and the first thing they would say was, hey, just so you know, I'm only looking at virtual opportunities and I don't plan to ever go in the office again. I said, okay, well, I, I, you're not a fit for this job because I need somebody, especially in a marketing role, that wants to be around people, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's part of our culture. And I, so I think you'll see with this shift, it's just part of a cultural alignment, right? What is the cultural alignment with, you know, the company, their core values, who they are, what they want to be? People can make it work in a virtual environment if that's part of their, you know, cultural alignment. And I mean, and it becomes it. a commodity at that yeah. point, you know. If it- totally, but but we even have we have companies that we work with right now that have said, "Hey, we're all in five days a week. It's who we are. It's what we're about, and um, that's fine because some people might want that too, right? I mean, there's there's going to be um, somebody that fits. And again, I look at it as part of their culture. This is our stake in the ground. This is who we are. And there are going to be people that fit that, and there's going to be people that don't. And that's going to be the next, what we're going to see this year, right, with all your ta- all the moves in real estate that you're talking about. We're going to see another shift in workforce turnover with people that are okay or not okay with that stake in the ground, mm-hmm. right, what companies are saying. Yep. We're already seeing uh, some of these cost of living adjustments where if somebody moved to Boise, Idaho from the Bay Area, during the pandemic and now they're being asked to move back or their salary is going to be aligned, right? They were taking a Or if they wanted to stay, they don't necessarily get to keep They can stay, but they can't stay at a Bay Area salary. See, I I saw that, but I was like, if you're talented enough, you can negotiate that. Facebook's not going to draw a hard line and lose an all-star software engineer because they moved to Boise and they want They may. Because you think if they, that sets a precedence then. And, and that, if one person is bigger than the, you know. The policy. Right. It may, yeah. you know, so it's all really, like we were talking about before the show, everything that's going on right now, it's, it's really interesting. Everything was the way that it was forever, right? It was the same. It was normal leading up to COVID. And then now it's. You know, everything is evolving. Yeah. And everything is changing. Do you think that we were headed this way and then COVID just 
probably to some it. degree. Yeah, that, you know? I mean, that's a good point. We're, I think, yeah, I think people always wanted some form of, you know, flexibility, not, right? And, and it, it's not a hundred percent, but I think everybody wants, you know, a day, or had wanted, you know. So pre-COVID, everyone's thinking like, "Well, I wish I had a day that I had more flexibility in my work week." Um, to where, yeah, COVID just it just exposed that, you know, it, it, it kind of brought that out. And the majority of workers thought, well, I, I like this better because I have more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the other side of that is I think maybe a lot of them weren't necessarily working all day while they're home. And now that's reflected. In, and you also have to think, too, that remote work, it worked in the beginning. And there was a very high level of productivity because there wasn't any distractions when we weren't able to travel and mm-hmm. nothing was open. Of course, productivity is going to be through the roof because one, people were scared about losing their jobs and they couldn't go do anything. So I'd be curious to see what is the level for people that were 100% remote now versus you know the beginning of the pandemic. I, I, would, I would think that now that things are back open and things are back to normal, it has to have come down some because there's more distractions. So if you're at home and you can go do whatever at any time and everything's open and you can travel anywhere, I have to think you're, if you're hundred percent remote, you're not as productive as you were at the beginning of the pandemic when you're worried about your job and that's a good point. when there wasn't any yeah. distractions. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Uh, I read recently automatic, the parent company, or it's just the company that produces WordPress. They, um, have an asynchronous work environment. So <clears throat> people can work anytime from anywhere. So there's no set hours and there's no set location. So they have, I think, employees in 90 countries around the world. And the, the CEO, Matt Mullenweg, was talking about how they, like written communication is critical because you can't schedule meetings when people are in different time zones and they somebody may be working nights versus mornings on the same teams. But he's a big proponent of that. And I wonder, at, at CBRE, do you guys have like a research team that's like looks out for new ways of working that could affect y'all's business? The great thing about CBRE is it, it literally, we have all of the tools to solve businesses, real estate problems in any function. But beyond that, we have, I mean, we have insight into labor. We have insight, we have consulting practice, we have a workplace solutions group. So yeah, we, we see all of that. We see all of that data and, and yeah, you're, you're right. It is ever evolving and everyone's trying to figure it out. I mean, every, every company's trying to figure out like, what is the, the magic formula? And really it's, it's all over the map. I mean, even as of recently, I've seen professional service firms and law firms start to consider hoteling. You know, and some of them are doing forms of hybrid where you would think old school law firms are going to be in the, everybody has their own assigned office and everybody's going to come in every day. They've adapted to a form of, some of them have adapted to a form of hybrid. We see all of those trends. It's because we're not just a brokerage company. We're largely a consulting company and have a very large consulting practice we cover everything, mm-hmm. which is a really big benefit of being there is that you have access to solve any type of problem for a business owner or an executive that 
you know, is faced with the challenge that's real estate related or labor related, we can, you know, we can address assist. it. Yeah. How, that's kind of a good segue, but for people listening to this that are curious about starting a career in commercial real estate, what would be your advice to them to get their foot in the door? Well, first you want to get a steel stomach because it, it's a pretty wild ride. You know, I, I think it, if you are extremely ambitious and if you like dealing with people, if you like solving problems, if you are okay with risk, if, if you enjoy building relationships, if you're flexible... I mean, I worked with a guy for many years and he used to liken our job is like, we're a, we're a willow, you know, we have to just kind of go with how things are because things change so quickly and you could work on something for a year and have it not happen and you don't get paid. And so you have to figure out how to become okay with that. Um, but as far as like, if you're starting out and you want to get into it, um, you know, I think you have to first answer, you have to ask yourself all of those questions. Like, do I, do I fit that mold? Do I, am I, am I okay with risk? Am I, do I like dealing with people? Do I like dealing with challenges? Um, am I okay working on something that I might not get paid on? Um, and if you answer those questions, yes, um, then it, you know, you need to, I guess my, my, my first piece of advice would be, the right job is, is probably not going to be posted on Indeed or some website. You have to network. You have to work. You're, and if you're right out of college, you may think to yourself, I don't have a network. Well, I would challenge that. Everybody has a network. Everybody knows people. So what you would need to do initially is work your network. Figure out who you know that knows somebody in the business that can make an introduction for you to where you can talk to a person that's in commercial real estate. And then treat finding the job, like finding a deal. You have to then talk to a handful of groups and figure out where do you fit. And if your personality aligns with a particular company and you check all those boxes that I talked about, they may not have thought that they had a position open. They'll create one for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it really kind of goes down to that. You know, you have to work your network. You know, you have to figure out, you know, somebody if you're drawn to it, you know somebody that is a single degree of separation away from meeting with. Sure. You know the. But again, it the steel stomach. It's it's not a joke. I mean, it, it's a. It can be very challenging, but it can also be extremely rewarding. Um, so, did you have any preconceived notions about commercial real estate before you got into commercial real estate that you figured out quickly that was different than you expected? Um, you know it. It actually. Um, it met all of the expectations that I had. And I really got into the business completely by chance. I had a college degree and was living in Dallas and um, was working a job that I didn't really like. I wasn't in the real estate business at the time. And I left that job to to take an internship at a commercial real estate company. And I, and I already had a degree. And so I really took a step back to get into the field. I was drawn to it. I went. I remember going to the interview for the internship and just kind of seeing the energy in the office and, you know, just seemed like there was a lot of very like-minded people and there was, there was no ceiling. And I was very drawn to that, seeing young people very successful, older people very successful, um, and the freedom to kind of come and go and you're out, you're not, 
you're not in the office all day, but you're you're in the you know, you're you're in, but you're not always in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's how I was really just by chance, and then I I guess I I guess I'd say I found myself addicted to it right away, and the internship then turned into a permanent position, and uh, and then I moved to Austin. And would you say that that move to Austin was like fortuitous, or if you had stayed in Dallas, do you think that you'd have I, experienced the same level of success? I knew, I knew that I wasn't going to stay in Dallas. I knew for sure. Cause I figured out very quickly that the real estate business is a relationship. It's a long play. You're really setting your roots and to be successful, you have to have relationships. You have yeah. to meet and know a lot of people. And I like Dallas from a social scene because everybody from college that I knew, or a lot of people from college moved there and we all, kind of lived in the same neighborhood and we're having a good time, but I just didn't see myself there long-term. Um, and again, then the move to Austin was just a chance opportunity. I, I went to work for a company it, at the time it was called Hill partners. Uh, now it's called HPI. And, um, I, I thank, I'm so thankful for this every day that I got to work with those guys. I was there for 11 years and they are the, smartest, most successful. They're the Michael Jordans. I worked with three or four of the Michael Jordans of the commercial real estate business. I mean, Titans. And I was a kid, you know, I was a 20 something year old kid that these guys took in and Dick Anderson, Kent Lance, Richard Hill, Sam Houston, Bo Busby, um, that taught me the way. And that was invaluable to be 25 years old and working with some of the most successful people in the state. Yep some of the most successful people in the country in, in the business. So yeah, that, that to me was, so to answer your question, no, I don't think I would have achieved the same level of success in Dallas at all, mostly because I wouldn't have gotten to work with those guys. I wouldn't have gotten to work with Hill partners, HPI. Mm -hmm. Um, Tells you that the value of mentors, a hundred percent, you know, these guys were, were and are just absolute pros. I mean, pros. I think it's interesting. Commercial real estate is one of those industries that you mentioned flexibility. It's, you know, in the pre COVID world, you guys always figured out a way to measure output, right? I mean, you didn't need, it wasn't necessarily about hours in the office. Right. You know, and, and, and I get asked this question a lot, especially with these hybrid work environments is how are we going to manage this person? remotely? How do we manage these people? How do we know they're out there doing their jobs? What I see going forward, you know, in my world with, with employment and, and talents and, and, and even retention is how are you measuring output? Mm-hmm. Right. With sales, it's, and 100%, it's easy. Yeah, it's now, easy. It's revenue. Um, uh, I get asked the question, for example, with our accounting and finance team, if a controller or an APAR person is going to be virtual, um, two, three days a week and two, three days in the office, how are they measuring output, right? So companies, I think companies going forward are going to have to figure out how to measure output on every type of function, mm-hmm. right? Like again, Sales, it's easy, right? Um, uh, you can make a case marketing, right? You can put KPIs in place. You can figure, you can figure out how to measure output in marketing. How do you do it in some of these you know, maybe more back office related jobs or um, jobs that traditionally were based on being in the office. So I know you're working, 
right? And I think that this it's been an interesting shift to see how companies are are figuring that out. But if they can figure that out, it doesn't matter if somebody's in the office or not in the office or somebody's working eight hours a day or six hours a day or 10 hours a day. They just got to figure out what are the KPIs and how to measure output. Mm -hmm. Real estate's always been good at that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a real estate's a results based business. Yeah. You know, it's you're, you, you, it's at the end of the year, you, if you're a commission based broker, it's did you make a lot or did you not? You know, it's pretty simple to, to, and, and, and every company has a goal. You know, you have a, you have a revenue goal to hit. So you know that. And it's, so then it just becomes a choice. It's like you could technically do this job remotely, you could. I don't think you'll be as successful if you did it. I mean, it goes back to what I said about where I worked, you know, working at HPI Hill Partners. Um, if, if, if I would have gone, if we went, we reversed back to that time and I never went into that office and I never built those relationships and I was never around those guys and I never saw how they operated or, you know, the, the genius moves they made, how would I grow from that? Um, so, you know, yeah, it's a that's a really good point, man. I mean, sales, it is easy, but there's more to it. You know, it's like, yeah, you could be successful remotely in sales, but again, you're miss, you're missing out on, especially if you're coming up. You know, if you're yeah. if you're coming up in the business, you need a mentor. You you need relationships. You need those one off meetings, running into someone in the office saying, "Hey, I had this idea. I want to talk to you about it." You sit down, you go through it. You know, you don't have that. I mean, what are you going to do at home? You're going to send someone to Zoom? Hey, I had this idea. Can we Zoom real quick? You're not getting the same, you know, output from that. Yeah, yeah. and I was with my head of uh, delivery the other day in the in the break room at work. We were in, we were in the break room, uh, and we started talking about this new line of business that we're starting. And an hour later, we were still talking. And the ideas out of this impromptu strategy session that we had in the break room were invaluable mm-hmm. and you never would have had that right. over a zoom call because you had to plan it right you had to say hey nick let's set up this call i want to talk to you as opposed to just it just happened you know in the breaker yeah right? i mean think Those about all the things. big things that have happened with technology companies from people collaborating in the office yeah mm-hmm. yeah well man we really enjoyed the discussion if uh somebody's listening to this and they're looking for office space in austin should they just hit you up on linkedin yeah, yeah, my LinkedIn profile. Okay. Definitely. Mark Vanderslice, look him up on LinkedIn. Mark, thanks so much for joining. Appreciate your insights, and uh, we'll have you on again. Awesome. Thanks Great. for having me, guys. This thanks, was fun. Guys. The leaders that have had the most transparency over time, they're the ones that you remember. In times like these adverse economic times, employees don't want to hear happy talk. I work every day like somebody's trying to take it from you, because they are. 